0: the family of God uh, and this is very very important you're going to hear some of this and, and uh, in the process of us going forward uh, in family month it's very important to be a part of a church family and just as you are committed to your own family I believe it's just as important to commit to a church family. I don't believe it would be all right for your, you know, and you say, well, my kids kind of do that now that they're grown. They kind of come in when there's dinner served, and then they leave and do their own thing. Uh, So when kids grow up, that may be the pattern, but they're always committed to your family. Somebody say amen. Uh, That's very, very important. And so in the kingdom of God, it's no different that God puts us together in a family as a family. And so being committed to that family is very important. Uh, In Psalm 68, the Bible tells us that the Lord would be the judge of the widows, and then it said he would break chains, and it talks about uh, healing and and care. And then in Psalm 68, uh, getting down to about the 10th verse, he says he puts the solitary, everybody say solitary, that's people that are alone or by themselves, he puts them in families. So it's pretty evident biblically that the healing and care and and function of society has a lot to do with the family. I mean, that's what he put in the very beginning in a garden, he put a family there, a man and a woman, isn't that correct? So it's pretty evident that society's health and uh, society's care has to do a lot with the family. I know... Uh, and I don't want to take a lot of time here, but it's very important for us to understand how important the family is, and when we think about that, we're not just thinking about our little family. Let's think about others' families, and ultimately, let's think about the family of God in which God has placed us. I'm thankful for the church. I'm thankful that God is in my life, and I appreciate the family of God. And how many know the family of God? The church is not perfect. Raise your hand. Joyce already had her hand up. She knows where I was going. How many know your family's not perfect? So, amen. I don't know of one father that said, I'm not going home now because my kids are hypocrites. You know your kids are hypocrites, but you go home anyway. In fact, you work them over for being a hypocrite, don't you? (laughs) So, all this mentality about, I think we need to understand the church is the family of God. This is his body. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I'm glad you're a part of my family. <laughs> Amen. And so, uh, with that in mind, we're gonna have family month, and uh, we'll hear more about marriage. Uh the next couple of weeks, we're gonna hear about parenting. How many have children here, or grandchildren, or adopted children, or stepchildren, or uh abused children? Uh <laughs> Amen. My children are terribly abused. Bless their hearts. Amen. So, we're going to talk about parenting, and uh, we thought it might be very good. We've got some very gifted people in our church, and uh, isn't that great? Family ministers one another. And so, on this kickoff, in a general sense, kind of talking about kids and what kids mean and uh, what it means to be a parent, we kind of, uh, we have somebody doing a keynote every Sunday just uh, getting us started in that Sunday morning session, and then we have some interviews that we'll take some responses from the, uh, from, uh, the congregation, and then we'll close it out. So it's going to be exciting the next uh, four Sundays, so don't miss. And today we have a special, special keynote address, and uh, I want you to give a warm welcome uh, to the highly successful, highly educated, highly gifted, and highly anointed as a brand-new parent, Sister Taryn Smith, as she comes to, to give us a keynote today about parenting.
1: Thank you, Brother Jean. I don't know about all that, but <laughs> I'm always surprised how nervous I get before I um, come up to speak to you guys. I, no matter how many times I do it, whether it's a smaller group or a bigger group, I always get really nervous. So when Brother Kyle um, asked me to speak, today. He told me I was going to laugh whenever he told me the topic. Um, and I definitely did because <laughs> I thought, um, I'm a brand new parent. You want me to talk about parenting? <laughs> um, if, I was, if there was supposed to be like some great revelation that I was supposed to get in the first month with my newborn, I definitely think I missed it because I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> um, so instead, whenever he said, we, we want you to address it from a professional standpoint, and I thought, okay, that I can do. I feel a little bit more comfortable with that. Um, So for those of you who don't know, I'm a school psychologist, which is different than a school counselor, Um, and just trying to give some of my background here. So um, I got my bachelor's degree in psychology, and after that I completed a three-year graduate program, and part of that was a one-year internship, and I studied um, children's development, research, and schooling. So that's kind of where I'm coming from, some of my background there. So I'm really thankful for the opportunity to get to speak to you all today, um, and I definitely want to give honor to Brother Jean and Brother Cal for allowing me to, because I know it takes a certain amount of trust to give someone the microphone, so I thank you for that. Um, and I just have a really simple thought, nothing really profound to talk to you about today before we hear from some parents that actually do have some experience for you. <laughs> um, But hopefully, too, my thoughts will be coherent, Um, as anybody knows that is the parent dealing with a newborn, the sleep deprivation and the stress is for real right now, so I'm going to hope that my thoughts make sense and they come across to you and that my words at least um, make their intended purpose. So with all that being said, um, in thinking about parenting from a spiritual perspective, I think the biggest challenge and what makes parenting such a high calling is the idea that we're trying to make disciples out of our children. Because really that's what it all boils down to in the end. Um, And that's, I just want my child to be a follower of Christ in the end. Uh, I think most of us would agree that it's our biggest desire for our kids. I mean, it's great if they're talented or if they're attractive or intelligent. Those are wonderful things. You know, we hope for them. But in the end, above all, we just want our kids to follow Christ. So I'd like to start out with a short video. I came across um, some videos like this the other day, and I thought they were hilarious. Um, And then when I started writing what I wanted to talk to you about today, it kind of helped demonstrate my point. So um, it shows children arguing with their parents, um, (laughs) which is thankfully one thing I don't have to deal with quite yet. I know it's coming, but... Um, and we're going to skip ahead a little bit. too. Okay, you got it queued up to the right spot. Okay, my husband's back there on the computer. Thank you. <laughs> but anyway, so even though some of these kids aren't necessarily old enough to even say words yet, you can still tell that they're arguing. Um, and some of them, some of the kids do say actual words, but they sound just like their parents, which is what kind of the point is. So you can go ahead and play that, Brother Randy. Yeah.
2: I thought I did.
3: No, you did You talk bad words. Like my
4: face, it's now not happy.
5: Why you always have an attitude? Do do? Yeah, you always have an attitude with me. Come here, I'm talking to you. Yeah, no, you do have an attitude. I do. I do. No, every time I have something to say, I you have do. to give me... I do. I do. Yeah, well, no, you have an attitude about everything.
4: Yeah. I'm the boss. No, I'm
3: the boss. I'm the boss. No, I'm the boss. You have such an attitude,
5: Casey.
0: You have an
3: attitude. Yes. Ever. You have an attitude? No. Yes. Lovely, you
1: have an attitude.
3: I don't have an attitude. Yes, you do.
5: I
1: don't
3: have an attitude. No. Come on, here. Don't do this. Stay there.
4: I'm not fighting with you.
3: No, hey, stop.
4: Well, I cook you dinner. <laughs> What does this have to do with dinner?
3: Yeah! She's the okay. cat! Why are we even yelling right now? No, we don't. i want to yell at me! You better go and get me! I'm not arguing with you! I'm with me! You started arguing
5: with me! I'm
3: me! No, you were arguing with me! No!
5: <laughs> no, they're not your parents.
3: they my brothers. I'm
4: not your parents.
2: When dad tells you to dad, get, dad, get down, dad, you dad, need to dad, get down.
5: Dad, dad. A.O.P. Who made that? Me. Well, you're a liar. Jacob made that. Who made that?
0: Me. I, I told you I made it.
5: But Jacob made it. Oh,
0: uh, I was made it. So who made it? Me.
3: This is a picture frame. Not a frame. It's not a frame? It's not a frame. It, it's a picture frame. What is it? Oh, a it's just a picture, yeah. but it's not a picture frame. No.
4: Did you do this?
5: No, no. That was did, you, did you do this?
4: What are you doing, bud? I told I
3: didn't. I told you I was wrong. I'm sorry. No way. I'm business.
5: It said stop. You it. <laughs>
1: Who's the boss in this house?
3: Me. You are. Yep. Says who?
1: Me. You're the boss. Yeah. You don't. Even... think
3: I'm the boss in this house.
2: I'm the
5: boss in this house.
4: You don't live here.
5: Yeah, I do. Live. No,
4: you don't live here.
5: Yeah. I... I've been nice to you, and you are having an attitude problem. Well, sometimes you
0: have an attitude
5: problem. Not usually.
0: No yeah, you do, do. Well,
5: I'm the mother. No, you're not. What am I then?
1: You are my mommy. Uh, what did Doc say? All right, thanks, I can end it there. Um, so I, I I love that. The last little girl kind of hits it on the head. The, the mom is trying to say, you have an attitude problem. Well, sometimes you have an attitude problem. Where do you think I get it from? <laughs> But um, that's definitely one unintended side effect I know from parenting is um, having your kids pick up on things that you never intended them to. <laughs> it sometimes can be surprising to hear yourself in the, coming out of the voice of a child. Um, and I did get permission to share this from Miranda, who's not in here today, but she told me a story once about um, Carson where he was fussing about something and he finally just said, Mommy, you're stressing me out. And it was one of those moments where, like, I wonder where they heard that before. (laughs) They heard that from somewhere. Um, But it's amazing how observational kids can be. (laughs) In the 70s, the famous psychologist Albert Bandura coined the term social learning theory. So this explains this phenomenon a little bit. It states that learning takes place in a social context and can occur purely through observation. So just from observing, they can learn. It states... um, and that's what I kind of want to talk to you about today, is what psychologists call observational learning. So not surprisingly, this is learning that is attained simply by observing others. So it's not like, you know, we step-by-step teach them how to do it and then explain it and have them practice it. No, they just pick up on it. So that type of learning. More recently, psychologists and neuroscientists have been researching this phenomenon in the brain, which is really interesting. Specifically, um, what are known as mirror neurons. So these neurons have become become active whether you're performing an action or you're simply just observing someone else performing the action, so they respond equally. These neurons were first discovered in the early 1990s, so not that long ago really, um, by neuroscientist Rizzolatti and colleagues at the University of Parma in Italy. They found neurons in the brains of macaw monkeys that fired both when the monkeys grabbed an object and also when they observed another primate grab the same object. Um, As most good discoveries go, they weren't actually studying this particularly. Um, They were trying to study neurons of the monkey's premotor cortex to see how they responded to different objects, but they found something surprising. They noticed that whenever they picked up like a peanut to give it to the monkey, the monkey's brain would fire in certain areas, and then they noticed that those were the same areas that whenever the monkey itself was actually picking up the peanut. So since then, fMRI studies on humans have also found that we too have a mirror system that works similarly. So in 2003, there was a study done um, by Kaisers and Wicker that used fMRI to look at the emotion of disgust. They examined brains of male participants who spelled, smelled butric acid, which smells like rotten butter, um, and as they viewed a film of an actor wrinkling up his nose in response to something. And they found that both feeling disgust yourself and watching someone else be disgusted. Um, also, they both activated the, um, a certain area in the olfactory area of the brain, so whether they did it themselves or they just watched someone else do it, their brain responded similarly. So there was another video um, floating around a while back that shows this new dad changing this particularly disgusting diaper. And as you're watching him going through all of the different steps of changing a diaper and his, his you know, retching into <laughs> it because it's so bad, you feel his pain, you know. It's like I can almost smell it myself. So those are our mirror neurons at work. Um, whenever you if you've ever gotten teary-eyed when someone's trying to tell you a story and they're getting teary-eyed, or you watch someone go underwater and you kind of hold your breath, those are all of the mirror neurons working. Um, so some have nicknamed these empathy neurons because your brain reacts as if you're doing it even though you're not the one doing it. So this has an important implication for learning, especially in children, when their brains are expanding and making connections so rapidly. Um, Children's brains make a ton of connections in the first six years of life, and even through the rest of childhood. Um, In the teenage years, they start pruning back a little bit and getting rid of connections that aren't so important. But whenever children's brains are so malleable um, in childhood, if their brains are truly feeling what it is that they are observing and the actions of others, wow. (laughs) Wow. It puts a whole lot more emphasis on being careful what they see, and it puts a lot more weight on that little Sunday school song, Oh, be careful little eyes what you see. Because what they're observing actually is firing their brain as if they were doing it, and it's in when their brains are malleable, it helps to form their brain as well. So obviously this can be a positive thing too, not just a negative thing. So if they observe someone feeling joy when singing in the house of God or getting excited to the preaching of the word, all of these things, then their mirror neurons would be activated as if they were doing it themselves too. So it can be positive and and a little negative too. Um, And we know that this will only take us so far. We know from experience that children don't always just repeat what they observe. Particularly when they get older, they start to choose what they want to obey and what they don't want to obey. But the point is um, that we have a certain amount of God given hard wiring to empathize with others. And um, we have that hard wiring when we see them engaging in a behavior to empathize with them. Um, Another video I saw a while back showed women listing the things that they liked and disliked about their bodies. um, And then they also asked these. Mothers, their daughters, the same question. So their daughters had to to answer the question what they liked about their bodies or disliked about them. And so one mother said, you know, she disliked her thighs. Another woman said that she liked her legs because they were strong and good for running. And they found whenever they did the interviews with the daughters, the daughters listed the exact same things about their own bodies. So the daughter of the mother that disliked her thighs, the little girl disliked hers. And, you know, the one that liked her legs because they were strong and good for running, that's exactly what the little girl said too. She liked her legs for that. So... um, It's really amazing how much they observe. You know, the mothers had never critiqued their daughters' bodies, they never would do that, but they had critiqued their own, and the daughters had picked up on that and internalized it for how they should feel about themselves. So kids are always listening and they're watching, whether we realize it or not or want them to or not. (laughs) Um, Every second, we are being role models to our children. Um, And to a certain extent, we know that we're role models to our kids and greatly embrace this fact. You know, many of the toys and stuff that we give kids are just kid versions of are things, and we give them pretend cell phones, or we give them little kitchen sets or tools. Um, So we know that children learn by watching us. And this type of pretend play or dramatic play, as it is called, is actually really good for kids. Um, It's good for their development. When you actually study children's play, A typically developing kid will progress through stages of play development, and through this pretend play, children discover their interests and abilities, they make sense of the world around them whenever they pretend that they're going to work, they don't know what you do when you go to work, but if they pretend, they're trying to make sense of the world around them a little bit. Um, It also helps them work out scary or confusing situations, like going to the doctor can be a really scary thing, so we give them little play sets and they pretend to be doctor, and it helps them try to make sense of it a little bit. Um, They get to be the one giving shots when they play doctor. (laughs) Um, And this type of play, pretending and being, uh, pretending and observing is really good also for helping them develop what's known as theory of mind, which means um, understanding that others have a different perspective than you because they have to take on perspectives of others when they pretend play like that. Um, And whenever kids pretend play together, which can be really fun, watching them, like, play church or play school. <laughs> um, we learn that they learn how to negotiate, how to communicate with each other, be creative, and they learn leadership skills, like you're the teacher and I'm the student or whatever. So all of this we know that kids learn and observe and they pick up from around them. But um, what I want them to challenge is what is it that we really want them to imitate because they are going to imitate and their brain is going to be impacted by what it is that we do and what it is that we allow them to see. Since psychology has studied in great length this impact that we can have in our little developing brains, what is it that we want them to develop? So I know for me then, I don't want my daughter to empathize with me being critical of myself or to empathize with the violence I let her watch on TV, but I want her to empathize and for her mirror neurons to be activated whenever she observes me working for the kingdom and having joy whenever I do things for church. So that's what I want her to be picking up on. If my goal is for my daughter to be a a disciple of Christ, I want her to be a doer of the word and not just a hearer of the word. I want her to hear the voice of God and to follow her leading in every area of her life. And one of the best ways that I can set her up for success is to do it myself. Will she see me seek God's voice in every area of my life? Will she hear me consulting him and laying all my cares at his feet whenever life gets overwhelming? Will she feel that God is the center of my life And that everything I do just flows out of a heart that wants to please him. Because she will follow me to a certain extent. And her brain will be shaped by the things that she observes around her. Even when she's older and wants to do the exact opposite of what I'm doing, those little mirror neurons are still firing, even if she doesn't realize it. And her brain, even then, will have been affected by the experiences that she has now. So I want to do my best to ensure that she is empathizing with those things that are true and honest and just. And like I said earlier, I think all of us really want our children to be disciples of Christ. So what that means is then from us, it takes us leading by example because they will follow.
0: Thank you Taryn wasn't that great amen amen challenging great uh, mirror neurons just keep that in your head for the next couple of weeks amen the way the way we act and the way, what we do at church or at home amen it's very very important and uh, thank you Andy for showing the videos and taking care of Felicity while mom took care of that somebody say, praise the Lord so it's family month and for the next few minutes we're going to have some uh, some input from folks that are in the trenches, whether they have small children, kind of the verdict's not out yet uh, or those that have raised children and we've we've run into a little uh, uh, it's not a bad thing because some people are a little afraid to get up and talk in front of people. So we usually try to ask beforehand, uh, would you help us in the in the parenting session on Sunday? And they think, well, I've got to know all the answers, uh, but that's it's not really a, a doctoral program we're doing here today. Uh, we're just, uh, in a general sense, how people navigate through difficulties or parenting Uh, how each person does that differently so it is no right or wrong answer but the problem is when you ask people beforehand it's like oh I don't want to get up in front of everybody so we're we're now finding that it's easier to put them on the spot right then and there because when I say here we're going to ask some questions to some parents and I say so and so would you come it's much more difficult for them to say at that point no, I'm not coming up there. <laughs> now, there may be a few that would do that, but most would say, okay, yeah, I'll go for a few questions. It's not, they're not hard questions. Uh, they're pretty easy. So uh, what we're going to do is we're going to kind of transition here, and I want Kyle and Amanda to come up, and they already knew this. This is one couple that knew before, and they have great boys, and they're, they've got great parents, But we haven't heard from them in this setting very much. I want Kyle and Amanda to come. And uh, I want also Mike and Leslie to come. They're coming up today. And this is the surprise one. I want uh, Terry and Sandy, if they would come up here today. I appreciate it. Thank you. That's right. I knew I was going to get a no. Uh, Mirror neurons. Uh Uh-oh. Hey, bring your coffee. Just bring your coffee. It's okay. And and it... uh, there can be some questions. They're not difficult, and maybe more will uh, want to be involved when they realize these are these are very simple questions. So um, let's give all these a hand that have come up today to help us with our parenting uh, questions. Now, there's something else we'll be doing in the main service because the uh, the church is, uh, you know, sometimes we don't. Run around with the same couples, and and our kids are at different stages. So, during the service today, we'll be also doing the getting to know you segment. You remember that? We there be a few folks come up, and we interview them about where they met, uh, how they found out about the church, uh, where they were raised, all that kind of good stuff. But this is our parenting panel. Look at this great crew here. He looks scared. Look scared okay uh, we know who you are tell us your kids names and how old they are and of course Terry and Sandy are foster parents so uh, whether you want to list them all or leave one or two out that's fine too uh, kids names and how old they are
2: uh, Brennan is uh, 15 and Emma is 10
0: and Brennan just got his driver's permit yes so watch out and he, he got the in road. the choir Mirror Neurons, Brennan, as soon as he turned 15, he's 15, 15. fixing to be 16, right? or he just turned 15? In, in August. Okay. As soon as he had his birthday in August, he filled out a choir form. Mirror Neurons. You know, we're wondering when Leslie's choir form's coming in. I've got it? I was in choir, and then I had this is not about choir. This, this, you know. She was in choir, then she had children. Okay, Terry and Sandy. ahead. Yeah.
4: Oh, okay. um, we have an older daughter who lives in Nashville, North Carolina. And she's 40. Do we have to tell the ages? She might not like that.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah, I didn't think about that.
4: <laughs> she's my stepdaughter, but she was seven when we got married and I raised her. Terry had custody of her, so... She's just mine. I That's don't right. ever say she's my stepdaughter, but That's right. technically she is. And then, of course, we have Blake. Um, I don't know if he wants me to tell his age or not, but anyway, um, he he's 29. And then we have um, Izzy, Isabella, who we adopted because she was a foster child. We got her when she was seven, and she's getting ready to turn 15. Nothing wrong with wow. my nerves. Wow. <laughs> and. Um, we have Christopher, who is 12, and we got him when he was 7, and we adopted him. And now we have a little 4-year-old who we will not probably adopt because he has a return home goal. And, um, All right. and we've had a lot of other kids.
0: That's you right. don't know about that. <laughs> All right. Kyle and Amanda. I
4: have Isaac,
5: who is 11,
4: and Cooper, who is 4.
0: All right, so now we kind of get the spectrum. Here's the first question. Did you prepare to be a parent, and if you did, what did that look like? Did you prepare for parenting?
5: No, I did not prepare, but I did take some classes in high school um, for child care.
0: Very good.
4: I did not want to be a parent. That's the only thing I dreaded about being married—was Really? Was having kids. Yeah. And now I've—I've I've had children every way you can have kids except a surrogate, Isn't that amazing? and that's not happening.
0: Okay. Yeah. There we go. There we go. We're glad we cleared that up. Did you prepare? The men can answer too, guys. All right. Anybody else? And you don't—it's not mandatory. You answer, but.
3: Uh, I did not prepare when we had Isaac. Amanda read books and things like that, and we knew we were ready we weren't and then um isn't that the truth and then we prepared for the second child by having the first child and that didn't work out too good either <laughs> so how many thought you were ready for
0: kids and then you realized you weren't out there show of hands all right anybody else in a lot of
2: aspects I'm a child myself but um so i thought i thought you know just the way i act sometimes but I thought maybe that would help me, <laughs> and
5: good. it really didn't. But uh, right. yeah.
0: How would you describe your parenting style? And in thinking about that, I think uh, Taryn mentioned some of that. Is it similar to the way you were raised, and what did that mean with your spouse? Kind of, we did it this way. We Parenting, what's your style, and is it similar to the, the home you came out of? What's your parenting style? Uh, helicopter, real hands-on?
5: Uh. I got to do just about anything that I wanted to do. Um, they weren't always around. They were always working. And Grandma's across the street. He it was totally different. So when, we're, when we decided to have kids, it was something we didn't talk about until they decided it was time for them to start going different places and so then we had to figure out real quick yeah. which way we were doing it that's right
0: very good so it was unspoken and then when the kids got to certain decisions you had to figure out where you would meet in the middle
2: yeah i'm, I'm much more
0: of a helicopter helicopter parent always up in the air <laughs> i was uh, hovering over you know. hovering yeah Style? Did it? Uh, did you bring things from your family origin into your? Obviously, in your marriage, you did. But when you had kids, did you notice a lot of difference? Uh, was there anything there? If you don't have an, if you don't have a comment, it's okay.
1: Oh, well, the only thing I can say is I probably brought
0: it from my my family. You know. Yeah. Dad was a World War II veteran, and I was uh, pretty well, you know. That set that, the course. set the course, you know. Yeah. and Kind of stern. <laughs> and Sandy comes from an origin with two brothers. Don't
4: and, hold that against me.
0: Uh, oh, no, I'm not holding it against you at all. Uh, so, man and Kyle, any differences that you noticed?
3: Yeah, I mean, we came from different backgrounds. So um, it's not like something before you have kids, you sit down and discuss your parenting style. Um, I think it just evolves it just kind of happens as you come to points and uh, you know they ask a question and you both respond in two different ways that's right (laughs) then you have to say hold on just a minute So, that's good
0: what would you say your greatest strength as a parent is and I know it may be hard for you to say my so if you're, you're here with your spouse if you'd rather say what their strength is that would be fine too uh, but what's your greatest strength as a parent or your spouse's greatest strength as a parent?
4: Consistency.
0: Consistency. Very good. No strengths?
4: <laughs> Kyle's pretty laid back whereas I I try not I can't keep the rope a little tighter on him than he does.
0: Okay. So. Very good.
2: Leslie's definitely more laid back than I am when it comes to uh, stuff that needs to be done around the house.
0: She's a little more laid back?
2: Yes. Yeah, I like to uh, make sure things are done.
0: So. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm a little more laid back, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the marriage uh, Sundays are coming two weeks from now. <laughs> uh what would, you, what would be the top values you feel most compelled to instill in your child? Uh, obviously, there are some that probably come to mind real quick. You don't have to list a whole bunch, one or two. The top values you want to try to instill as a parent in your child, what would you like to see the most out of them, a, a value that you would like to instill in your, in your child?
2: I think um, caring for other people
0: very good um,
2: just loving everybody that's good that's good
4: I think um, if you can you know instill in your child to to measure everything in their life by what the Lord would do in the word
0: very good then you don't
4: have to worry about the other values because they all fall into place very
0: good very good Kyle Amanda of you you'd like to instill
3: I think, on my part, I'd like for them to um, keep their eyes open, as far as spiritually, physically, and to uh, to see that there's a world out there, spiritually, physically, yeah. uh, and to be willing to go for it, uh, yeah. and experience things again on both sides. Um, yeah. Yeah. Amanda. It-
0: <laughs>
3: she wants him to stay close to home.
0: <laughs> she wants him to stay close to home.
4: I guess lately, what I've just been thinking about is, I want him to to learn to walk with the Lord. I don't want him to be some um, some big God that you know we've yeah. just talked about. But I want them to to walk with Him and know Him.
0: Right. Very good, Amanda. What's been the most meaningful part of being a parent? Some that have kids younger, some that kids are grown. What's the most meaningful part to you? Whatever, whatever stage you're in right now, what's been the most meaningful up to this point?
4: Bedtime. Bedtime.
0: most meaningful not really does that mean those are special moments where you spend with them praying together and that too. Or, or just putting them to sleep I got you. most meaningful part of parenting
5: i wasn't a very big talker with my parents but both of my kids would love to come and talk to me about anything and yeah. they're very big babies and want to lay on me no matter where I'm at. They just wanna lay on me. So I didn't have that or I didn't really do that. So to right. me I'm like That's
0: good. That's good. Yeah, Brennan Brennan lays on me too. He's a he likes to hug and there's not, not a thing wrong with that. Amen. Most meaningful part of parenting.
4: Actually I think it's it's just seeing your your children live for the Lord. You know, especially in In our experience, you know, with the kids are so damaged, you know. Yeah, And then even though they still have problems. That's right. You know, when you see them with their hands lifted and worshiping the Lord. That's right. Even though at home they act like heathens, (laughs) you know. (laughs) You you know, the Lord is still working on them and dealing with them, you know. That's right. So that's.
0: That's right. That's good. Anybody else? Most meaningful part of parenting.
5: I don't just have my own kids I have several children (laughs) and to take them home and for them to be able to tell me about God and the stuff that they've learned from Sunday school or a big hey can we go here and then they just want to spend time and know that I'm not they're not gonna act like that but I love them and they know that and they want to spend time and want to talk about God. That's, that's very good. That's just awesome.
0: Yeah, very meaningful. Anybody else on the most meaningful part of parenting?
3: I think when they, you know, there's a lot of times, like Taryn said, you see the your spouse coming through and your kids, the negative side.
0: I'm just joking. <laughs> there is a question about that.
3: <laughs> no, but I think sometimes just when they... uh When they demonstrate the positive aspects, like you've been trying to tell them, and um, uh, just for instance, this just happened yesterday. Uh, We've got a bunch of birthdays coming up in September, and Isaac decided he wanted to buy uh, his mom and his brother a birthday gift with his own money. So it was just—it wasn't a big thing, but it was like he—he took the vision off of it. Was his money that he wanted to save for whatever he wanted. And there was an aspect of giving that entered. Yes. You know, just some of those little things where you see, okay, they've, they've got it. Uh, that's always encouraging. That's right. Amen.
0: Uh, How has being a parent affected your relationship with your spouse? <laughs> uh, this is going to be We're fun We're in here. this
4: thing together.
0: We're in this thing together. Very good. Has parenting affected your relationship with your spouse? I think we may, without making this real complicated, like confession time or anything. I think we hit on it already when Brother Kyle said, "When children, you don't talk about parenting much, but when kids come along, you start." It's almost like, "Oh, we got to do this now." So, in that process, uh, we know it affect you affected one another. Uh, Was there a lot of give and take in that? No? Yes? Did you have to meet in the middle? That's what I'm kind of getting at. Yeah,
3: I think there's, um, uh, well, it may not be a list of values that you have. I mean, we've all had familial values values instilled into us. Um, What our parents put into us. And uh, that sometimes, uh, and I'm not talking about you should, the big things, uh, like I think he should love God and I don't think they should love God. Um, right. But some of those uh, on down the list values, but where a lot of life happens, um, right. and, and you realize, okay, I need to step back because this, this is an issue within myself that I need to reconcile before we even discuss how we're going to do this with our kids. Yeah. Um, you know, money can be something that's like that. Uh, how your parents spent money affects how you spend money, and that that's true because my wife just blows through money like crazy and since she's not talking I'm going to try and get a response out of her. <laughs> she is Uh-oh.
0: talking. you just won't give her the microphone. <laughs> He's afraid for her to talk. Has it how did it? Uh, give us, well, Kyle did, about money, how, how many, you know, spending money. How, how many, let's do it this way. It's, you don't have to answer because I know you're like, oh, everybody's out there looking at me. Let's talk about discipline. Did you have differences in how you disciplined and you had to meet in the middle of that? Was that one thing you had to navigate? Yeah. And you had to talk about that and discuss that and first of all you did it in front of the kids and then you realize wait a minute that's a bad deal let's do this let's, let's lock them in the basement <laughs> is this bringing anything to mind at all?
5: yeah because I mean when we well when I would discipline Brennan you would call me out pulling him out of church there goes Brennan to get his whipping it's on several tapes but I mean
0: <laughs> that's right there goes Brennan. <laughs> now
5: that he get now that he's gotten older, he doesn't I don't tend to whip him as much as he does. I do the you serious and the whole face and then he totally is yeah. not going to do that. Kind of scared. But the communication yeah. when we would tried to do, when we tried to do that in front of the kids, then they would play us. And so when we stopped that, they stopped playing. us.
0: Very good. So they recognize that, that there may be a little difference there, and so they would play that if you were not careful. Uh, this project y'all have together, uh, it's almost like God put this little project in your life, and all of a sudden, you know, you you're both, this is very important to both of you. Would you say parenting and having a child Obviously, you're closer with the child, but does it bring out a closeness in your marriage that you didn't have before? Almost a, a common a goal, common, I want to term it, project, but hey, we're raising kids together. And then as kids are grown, Terry and Sandy make it, uh, does that, of course, you still have kids at home, but does it change when they're grown up? It's almost a, a sense of satisfaction and they're 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 pretty responsible and they're, you know, it wasn't in vain. Uh, did it bring you closer together? You
1: yeah. do it together. <laughs> yeah, i, I was
4: just trying to think, I mean, it's, there's never been a time I can think of that we weren't close together. So it was know.
0: closeness anyway.
4: Yeah, yeah, we were close, you know, and um, Blake
0: turned out pretty good I think so. yeah, <laughs> alright let's uh, if, you, if you could do it again what would you change have more kids, less kids no kids if you could do it if you could do parenting looking back whether your kid's two or three or four or five looking back is there any if you could do it over would you do it over what would, you, would you change anything and if you could what would it be
5: I would have waited. I'm glad
0: you're on this panel.
5: <laughs> I would have waited. Um, just wait. for the simple fact is we didn't wait very long after we were married, so we didn't have that that connection time. As okay. soon as we got married, we had a couple months, and then we had decided we were going to um, yeah. have Brennan, and then it it kind of pulled us apart. Very In good. different times, it would pull us apart, bring us together. Right. So I would have just waited longer for us to very have good. more time together.
0: That's very, very good.
4: I would have had one more biologically. One more. Yeah, because actually Blake has no, I mean, we have Mandy, who is right. his half-sister.
0: half-sister. Yeah. I mean,
4: I'm not sorry. I just would have.
0: He's so good. We, why did we stop there, huh? It was such a hard time. We stopped there. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Blake was such a challenge. would have made it through it. Come on, talk in the mic, Terry. I said, I don't think she'd made it through having another child. Had a hard time with this one. <laughs> I hear you.
4: Not because Blake was hard. I'm not.
0: <laughs> we know. Hey, bringing a child into the world is. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God. Uh, anyway. Anybody else? What would if, if you could do it again? What would you change? What would you change? And nothing's fine too. Yeah.
4: I don't. I don't think I would change anything.
0: Cool. So. Very good. Right now. Very good. Very good. Okay, here's a couple of just, um, this would kind of uh, bring up the point of, did you have these feelings before you had children like, what kind of world are my kids going to live in? You know, when you realize mama's pregnant, we're fixing to have a child, what kind of world is this child going to live in? Did any of you think that? Okay, these are questions that kind of go along that realm that not, we may move away from parenting just a little bit. What amazes you most about society right now that you're raising children in right now? What amazes you the most about the society that you're living in right now trying to be a parent?
2: I think how rapidly things are, are uh, deteriorating. I mean, yeah. it's so fast how bad things are getting in the world nowadays. Yeah. And uh, you want to protect your kids and keep them away from everything. Right. It's impossible. Yeah. And uh, all you can do is pray for them and hope that uh, they make the right decisions. But, right. Uh, it, it, it's just getting so bad. You just hope for the
0: best. It gets bad fast. It's almost multiplying, snowballing. Okay. And the challenge of that as a parent. Anybody else? Challenges in society right now that kind of affect you as a parent?
3: Uh, it seems like society changes so fast that it's hard to be proactive and not reactive. Yeah. Um, you know, coming in front of situations and explaining things from the correct standpoint rather than them hearing it somewhere else and then you having to correct those things. Yeah. Uh, it seems to be more and more difficult in doing that. And then you face the quandary of uh, in <laughs> when, when are you too proactive and that they don't even need to know this right now, but you're worried that they may find out about it somewhere else before yeah. you tell them. Uh, yeah. So that's always uh, a challenge, an issue there, I think. Yeah. Anybody else? All right, here's some quick
0: hitters. These are yes, no, or um, one-word answer, or maybe two. Okay, everybody ready? Okay, and everybody's got to answer. Okay, these are one word. And what would be really fun is if we count down three, two, one, and both you and your spouse answer immediately at the same time. So we could get a yes and a no, or, but we won't do that to you, okay? Uh, here's a quick hitter, just a number. What age is appropriate to get a cell phone? Well, that's quick. Quick answer. Just I, I'm just asking, what, what age is appropriate for a cell phone? In the mic. Well, he just
2: got a basic cell phone and he's 15.
0: 15, so. okay, and Leslie's is 15? In the microphone, come on. Age for a cell phone.
5: I, I would go 18 when he gets ready to move out.
0: There you go. All right, Terry. I guess I'd go with 18, also. Sandy.
5: I think if they have to
4: have their uh, whatever age it is that they have to have approval, if they can't get it on their own, then you know. Okay. When they get it on their own.
0: Kyle. Age for cell
3: phone. I'd say 15, 16 with limited use.
0: Amanda? Yeah,
4: 15, 16. Okay,
0: starting at this end. Co-sleeping, sleeping sleeping with parents or no? Yes or no? Come on. Yes or no? No. Kyle? Kyle?
3: No.
4: No.
0: No. (laughs) No. No. I hope you get the message there. Okay, screen time. Now you kind of answered ask
3: if they did. I'm
0: sorry. You you didn't didn't didn't, ask no, if I they didn't did. ask if they did. I just asked yes or no, sleep with your parents or not. So everybody's a no. Okay, good. Uh you already answered this a little bit with phones, but it goes beyond that. Screen time, let's call it screen time. So computer, TV, uh any kind of screen input, limits or no limits? And microphone, please. One word.
5: Limits. Mike.
0: Definitely limits. Limits.
5: limits.
3: limits. limits.
0: Whatever limits? they okay. want to do. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. Do what they want to do. Yes or no answer. Yes or no. Have you ever caught yourself saying something your parents said to you? Yes?
5: Yeah. yes? Yes. Yes.
0: Yes. Emphatically, all the way across the board. So don't be afraid to let the influence of your parents pass on to your children. Uh, although there can be some bad things with that. Okay. Uh, okay, let's talk about picky eaters. Are you a eat what's set before you or whatever you want, dear? Come on, Mike. Picky eaters, eat what's set before you or whatever you want, dear? Come on, we want to hear it. Yes, children, we're talking about parenting, not spouses. Yes, thank you. Um, picky eaters. Yes, eat at least try you. what's before you. Try what's before you. Right. Oh, mirror, mirror neurons. All right, Same. Leslie. Same try what's before you. Yes. Picky
3: eaters. Whatever before me. Same. We, one's one so stubborn that he'd probably starve rather than oh, than uh, eat.
0: We need to hear that. Yeah. yeah. picky Eaters. We so. we
3: tell Isaac. You know, you got to at least try it. We try to convince Cooper he has to try it.
0: Okay. Very good. So it does have to do with the child to some degree.
3: Okay. Who has it
0: harder, stay-at-home parents or working parents? One-word answer, working, stay-at-home.
3: Stay-at-home.
4: I'd say the stay-at-home parent has it harder.
0: Who has it harder, a working parent or a stay-at-home parent? I'm not talking about, okay, my husband goes to work, my, mother, my wife doesn't. I'm talking about who has it harder as a parent, somebody that stays at home with their child or somebody that goes to work and sends their kid to be cared for? Who has it harder? The one that stays home. The one that stays home?
4: I think the, the working mom, because she has to, or the dad, whatever, dad, right? has to balance everything. Right. Instead of putting all your
5: energy and, just, and being at home and being there, you've got to balance.
0: Right. Very good.
5: Same thing, the working parent, because they're also going to be hard on themselves for missing a lot of their stuff.
0: Yeah. Any thought, Mike? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, yes or no. Do you judge other parents? <laughs> yes or no. Yes. <laughs> Do you judge other parents? Like Walmart, grocery store, church. Yes. Yes. Rissa. yes. Who? Rissa. <laughs> Well, that's a little added in for the interview. Do you judge other parents?
4: I mean, sometimes, you know, you'll think, if that kid was mine. That's
0: right. That's what I'm know, talking about.
4: Sometime, I mean, once in a while. Yeah. yeah. But you got to remember everybody's coming from a different place. And, that's
0: very good. You know. Do you judge other parents? Sometimes. So the answer, most across the board would be yes, but the temperate of that is? I don't know their situation but yet as a parent what that means is if everybody's looking at you as a parent and thinking boy he's not doing a good job or she's then behind that is always the temperate issue that I may not know what they're dealing with or where they're coming from okay hey let's give all them a hand thank you for for being a part of our interview and as we close Thank you guys very, very much. As we close, I just want to read a uh, paragraph that we, I came across, and I failed to write down the guy's name, but it's, it's not mine originally. But I think it's very important when we think about parenting. Consider this. Consider this. When it comes to rearing children, every society is only 20 years away from barbarism. Twenty years is all we have to accomplish the task of civilizing the infants who were born into our midst every year. Listen now. These savages know nothing of our language, our culture, our religion, our values, our customs of interpersonal relations. The infant is totally ignorant about communism, fascism, democracy, Civil liberties, the rights of the minority as contrasted with the prerogatives of the majority. They are ignorant about respect, decency, honesty, customs, conventions, and mannerisms. The barbarian must be tamed if civilization is to survive. Those barbarians are our children. Somebody say amen. Let's stay in together and we get, we're just.